0: You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Thank you, Cameron. Um, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Like he said, I'm the junior high intern. It's my second week, so he's already throwing me to the wolves. Uh, <laughs> wants to see if I can handle it, but I want to
1: learn to swim
0: in deep water. <laughs> exactly. I'm really grateful to be here and to get to talk with y'all. And I kind of have free reign within reason for what I get to talk about. So what I want to teach on this week and then next week is on 2 Timothy. Um, And what I love so much about 2 Timothy is that there's this relationship that's between Paul and Timothy, um, but it's where Paul is giving Timothy this charge to guard the deposit of the gospel. And that's a charge that I hope that I live by, a charge that I hope that y'all will live by. But really the key to understanding this letter and the key to really understanding Paul's heart behind ministry is that he has this generational vision for his ministry. And so as he's writing this at the end of his ministry, what he's passing down to Timothy is um, this vision for godly succession and really just discipleship. Sorry, let me turn that off. Um, But yeah, he has this vision of disciple making. So he wants Timothy to continue in the efforts that he has started. So this first week we'll talk about um, the charge that Paul's given Timothy to guard the deposit, the manners in which Timothy is equipped to guard this deposit, the faith that God's given him, and then next week, hopefully, Lord willing, we will talk about the manners in which Timothy is actually able to go about like practically guarding the deposit in a world of godlessness. Um, So today I'll kind of break it into three sections more or less First one, just seeing who Timothy is, what his relationships like with Paul, um, how he has been equipped to be in this position that he's in. And then the second part will be where Paul is affirming giftings that he sees in Timothy. And then the third part will just be the charge that he's given him to guard the deposit. Um, Just going into it, the first part says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. So as many of y'all I'm sure know, and as I just said, Paul has this very special relationship with Timothy. It's one where Timothy's his child in the faith, and um, the moment that Paul came across Timothy, he just decided to take him with him and um, to let him be a part of his ministry. And so does anyone remember where Paul first encounters Timothy? I'll give you a hint. The book starts with A, ends with CTS. <laughs> <laughs> Acts. Acts chapter 16 is where Paul first comes across Timothy. And so as Paul's passing through um, the cities of Derby and Lystra, he here's about this guy who is well spoken of by the other believers. Um, His mother is this Jewish woman who's become a believer and his father's a Greek and he's a disciple. And so Paul hearing that he's well spoken of takes him, he circumcises him, and he really starts training him for the continuation of his apostolic ministry. Um, So it's clear that there's a special relationship with them. Paul is thankful for the faith that they share. Um, They have a sad and sentimental goodbye the last time that he sees him as Timothy is crying just about having to leave Paul and so there's a very personal piece to this letter Um, and just like another bit of context to add to that is that this is the very last letter that Paul writes and so this is where you see his heart just completely unlocked Um, he's writing this from the end of his ministry in prison and really it's just his final plea for the protection of the gospel Um, Not just for the protection, though, but for the passing down of it. And so he's entreating Timothy, who is his child in the faith, to continue doing the work that he's doing. And like I said, there's this generational effect that's a part of it. Um, Timothy is not just to protect the gospel and to to preserve it, but also to pass it down. And so what Paul says later on in this letter is that what he's entrusting to um, Timothy, he wants Timothy to entrust to other faithful men who will entrust it to other faithful men, who will entrust it to people like us. And so I just pray that this letter will shape our convictions about the gospel as we see Paul's conviction about the gospel. Um, Pray that we'll be inspired to continue in ministry just like um, Timothy is and really just that we'll be completely captivated and consumed by it. Um, And I'm going to speak a lot about the gospel. And so one disclaimer that I want to say is that when I'm talking about the deposit, I'm talking about the gospel and scripture, but I'm also talking about this apostolic way of life that comes with that. Um, It's a lifestyle that Paul chooses to live and that he's, he's trained Timothy to live. And so it isn't something that's burdensome or something that's heavy or something that Timothy isn't going to be able to live into, but it's life and it's life that Paul has experienced and lived out and it's life that he's offering and extending to Timothy. Um, and it's life that Timothy's already experienced. I mean, that's the hope of the gospel is that we get to have life through Christ. And so though this is a charge and it's a high and holy calling, it's not something that's burdensome. And it's not something that's going to break Timothy's back. But it's something that he and we are privileged to get to be able to experience and live out. This is so good. <laughs> this is so good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Real quick, I think it's fascinating you brought up the point that Timothy went with Paul as soon as he met him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's one of those, hey, I'm going to show you how to do this, and it's talking about exactly about what you're talking about. It's yeah. living out the gospel. Paul mm-hmm. showing them what it looked like to do that. It's yeah. Cool. Um, well, thank you, guys. <laughs> um, so moving on to verse 5, Paul says that he's reminded of Timothy's sincere faith. This is a faith that first dwelt in his grandmother Lois, and then his mother Eunice, and now he sure dwells in Timothy as well. Um, so Paul is reminding Timothy here that He's already experienced the blessing of what Paul wants him to pass down. Hey, guys, welcome in. Um, Yeah, Timothy has already experienced this. Timothy has this spiritual heritage and this generational faith. Um, And I love this because this is something that I see in the Advent is that there's so much generational faith. People are passing things down to their children, who pass down to their children. And there's like three or four generations of people and families in this place. And so that's something really special. Um, but that's another reason why I chose the book of Second Timothy is because I relate to Timothy and just having experienced the faithfulness of my parents and how they've spurred me on in the gospel. And so um, it's something that I think a lot of us who have grown up in the church can resonate with is that this faith that's in us is something that God has planted deep within us for a purpose. And it's a gift and it's part of what's going to sustain us as We get to guard that deposit. Um, And it also gives us the security, I think. I think having a Christian worldview and growing up in the church and growing up in faith gives you the security through which you get to operate with the world because like it or not, the word of God has been so deeply embedded in us that it's just going to be the lens through which we view things. And so I hope that that's um, encouraging to any parents of just it's fruitful to put the word of God in your children and to put it before them and to remind them of it um, because it will help them to operate in a manner in which other people aren't, and that's through the lens of the gospel. And then the next thing that Paul begins to talk about is um, the giftings that are in Timothy. And so he talks about this moment that he had with Timothy where he laid his hands on him and um, called out really the giftings that Timothy had. And he says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying out of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So what do you think that this gift of God is that Paul called out in Timothy? There are lots of answers and they're probably all right. <laughs> Holy, spirit? Holy Spirit. Yeah. Holy Spirit could be the word of God. Um, really, I think it's his faith. Mm-hmm. God has given him a response to the gospel and it's trust in him. And so when Paul prays for him, he recognizes that Timothy has this internal gift. Mm-hmm. But why do you think that Paul lays his hands on him? What does this physical thing signify? Mm-hmm. Passing on. Yeah, the passing on. It's like a physical entrusting of his ministry. It's a sacrament. It's stuff that we see all the time in the church. Um, think about communion and when we get to partake in the physical um, memory of just the passion of Christ and his body and his blood or baptism, when we're identifying with the death and the life of Christ, it's a physical reminder of something that is internal an internal reality. And so in this case, the sacrament of laying on of his hands and on Timothy is reminding him that he's passing down something, but that there's also something that Timothy has inside of him and This is something that we do in the church today. I mean, bishops will put their hands on children as they're being confirmed, or adults, um, or ordinations, at consecrations. It's something that we continue to do. It's a a visible sign of being something being passed down. Um, But then there's also this responsibility piece that's in this too, because God or Paul calls him to fan the flame of the gift that's in him. So how? How is Timothy able to fan the flame of his faith? Yeah, spreading the word, preaching the gospel to himself, being, what? No, you keep going. Verse says, so do not be ashamed of the testimony about our word. Yeah. He to testify to faith. Yeah, it's the same way that we build up our own faith. It's being around people who encourage us and call things out in us. It's the Holy Spirit. It's sharing the gospel, stepping into that boldness. Um, So there's this responsibility on the part of Timothy to make sure that he fans that flame. But there's also the responsibility of Paul in this and calling out those giftings in him. And so I think we can identify with both Timothy and Paul in this. We have the responsibility to, you know, fan the flames of the faith that's in us. But we also have the responsibility of Paul in the church to call out the giftings of others, which... Sounds so basic and so easy, but we have to remember that all of these things that Paul is saying, they're all for the building up of the body of Christ. Every piece of advice that he offers to Timothy is for the glory of God, for the sharing of the gospel, um, for the edification of the church. And so we want the church to function properly. Like we want people to be using their giftings, but we also want it to flourish. And so our role is to call it gifts that we see in others and to encourage them in them, and then, you know, to fan the flame of those gifts. And so, as Paul has called out all of these things in Timothy, he moves on to really define what the gospel is to Timothy. He says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me as his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our savior, Christ Jesus who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. I love that Paul, when he's talking with Timothy, he moves on from, you know, you have this great spiritual heritage and you have all of these giftings that I see in you to do not be ashamed. Um, Because I think that when we're using the God-given gifts that we have, we step into a lot of freedom and um, we step into freedom when we get to build up the church. And so Paul is encouraging Timothy to step into this um, and not just to step into it, but to also share in the suffering that Paul is having to experience or getting to experience for the gospel. Um, But then also in verse nine, he moves on and he says, who saved us and called us to a holy calling So what do y'all think that this holy calling is? To spread the good news. Mm Mm-hmm, yeah, spreading the good news. Basically everything that he said up to this point, it's stewardship, it's getting to, you know, continue to proclaim the gospel. And this isn't a calling that just belongs to Timothy, but it's a calling that belongs to each of us. Um, By the grace of the gospel, we get to continue to proclaim because we've been saved and called to a holy calling. There's more for us than just, you know, receiving the word of God, but we also get to spread it. And how do we go about spreading this? What does he say after holy calling? Or just what does he say about the holy calling? It's not our work. Yeah, it's not because, not because of anything that we've done, but because of God's purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. And so this dates back to before the world was even made, is that God had designed us, or He had this plan for us to be in relationship with Him and for us to, to partake and to participate and to lead in that creation with Him. Um, and even when humans fell short of that plan and we didn't live into the glory of God, he, he still made a way for us to be in relationship with Him. He still sustained us. He still pursued His creation after they had fallen short. And so we've seen that from the beginning of time. Um, we see it now in Christ Jesus that God is, you know, uniting and restoring all things in Christ, um, and this is what Timothy has been familiar with since he was a boy. This is the deposit that he's always had, and he gets to continue to entrust to others. Um, and then I love that Paul goes on to define the gospel in terms of life. He says that he abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Um, because this is what Timothy is going to be able to extend to others, is the offer of life. And it's the life that he's experienced through the gospel. It's the life that Paul's experienced. Um, it's the life of Christ. And so Timothy, in sharing all of this, needs to be reminded and rooted in the fact that the gospel is what's given him life and it's what's going to be able to save others. So he's extending so much more than just proclamation of empty words, but these are words that contain the power of eternal life. The words that will save um, and so Paul reminds him you know through his example he was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher so he suffered um, but Timothy bears the same gifts as Paul trusts his ministry to him so Timothy is going to have to step into that suffering as well um, but that's the privilege of being a disciple and being a minister is that um through suffering for the gospel, you experience the fullness that Christ did in suffering. And so it's a gift and not not a burden at all. Um, and then finally, Paul moves on to this charge or, that he gives to Timothy, which is the charge that I've said over and over, but it's to guard the deposit. So he says, but I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me and the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the power of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. And so, you know, taking all of these things into account, taking his spiritual heritage and his giftings and his callings and this appointment to preach and to teach, um, Timothy's unique calling is the manner in which he's able to guard the deposit. Um, But Paul finishes off the section of this letter with this charge not to um that he's not ashamed but that he's trusting that God is able to guard unto that day what's been entrusted to him um so I have lost my place but <laughs> um the way that I think about this deposit and I think I said this earlier but that it's twofold it's that it's scripture in the gospel but it's also a way of life um and so there's two parts to it, but both of them are governed by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the first part, though, is scripture. What are some things that the Word of God tells us about His Word? It's true. It's true, yeah. It's profitable. Yeah. It's profitable for instruction. Mm-hmm. From right from 2 Timothy. Yes. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Scripture. (laughs) That was well played. (laughs) (laughs) Scripture is our starting place. So it's where we see the revelation about God. It's where he teaches us who we are in relation to him. Um, you know, apart from salvation, it's probably the most beautiful gift that God has given us. It's what empowers our faith. It's what gives us the basis through which we're able to share the gospel with others. And Paul gives him the charge to guard it because, you know, it's bound to come under attack. Um, There will be people who directly oppose the gospel and the word of God, but there's more than that. There's also going to be people who manipulate it um, or who corrupt it, who put their own agenda in it and teach it that way. Or there will be people who use it to harm others. Um, There will be people who are not using the word of God properly or handling it properly. And Timothy is to be on guard against these people, as are we. but the only way that Timothy is able to be on guard against this corruption of the gospel is through being saturated in it himself. And so Paul offers the advice to, to follow the pattern of the sound words that you've heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Um, Timothy is going to have to commit to studying and you know, familiarizing himself with scripture because that's what's going to sustain him and you know, strengthen him when his message is opposed um, but moving on to the other side of it, the way of life, um, it's this apostolic kind of faith, um, a biblical faith. So what are some of the characteristics of the way of life of the apostles? I think Paul and Peter and John, how do they live? Suffering, Sovereign, yes. They preach the gospel. Yeah. And they, and, and I love that verse he says, I'm convinced he is able to guard Mm -hmm. They trusted God Mm -hmm. with their lives and Mm -hmm. the the spreading of the gospel. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, it's really the apostles' mode of operation was just through the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. They didn't do anything apart from the guidance and the provision of God, and they fully entrusted themselves to the will of God, to the word of God, which led to some suffering and persecution, but like I said earlier, also leads to fullness. It's the fullness of the gospel, of getting to, you know, imitate someone like Paul as he imitates Christ. And so um, humility. humility, yeah, definitely. Um, but like you said, there is something else that's a part of this, and it's trusting that we're not the only ones who are guarding the deposit. It's that Jesus is going to guard the deposit as well. cares way more about the gospel than we do. (laughs) We try and care about it, but he is the one who's going to really preserve it and to protect it. And so Timothy and we, we don't carry this charge without the promise of Emmanuel, without the promise of God being with us and sustaining us and encouraging us and fighting for us and with us. Um, I think that the beauty of ministry and the beauty of Christian faith and of being a believer and follower of Christ is that there's this tension between responsibility and submission, because on the one hand, like what Paul says to Timothy, we have to fan the flame of our gifts. We have to make sure that we are rooted and grounded in scripture and that we're knowledgeable and that we're wise and discerning and that we're able to protect the gospel from coming under attack. That is a responsibility that we have. But on the other side of it, we can't do that (laughs) without the help of God. And so We need the Holy Spirit and um, we need the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us because that's how God is going to receive glory. It's not by us or our own works, but by the work, by the work of the Holy Spirit. And so as Timothy receives this heavy charge and as we receive this heavy charge um, of just protecting and maintaining the Christian example and caring deeply about the salvation of the world and salvation of those around us, we have to remember that passing down the Christian faith is not something that we do without the help of God. Um, It's an honorable charge, but it's accompanied by grace. And this is what's going to sustain us. This is just, this is the only thing that can sustain us in this. And so um, I guess what I want to offer to y'all is that we do, we do carry this responsibility. And there is an urgency in this world and um, in this generation and with the next generation to be able to extend the hope of the gospel and to teach children so that they're knowledgeable and the words that will lead to salvation. We all carry that responsibility. Um, It's not just parents, but it's every every member in the body of Christ has the responsibility to be looking out for the next generation. but this isn't something that we do without grace and this isn't something that we do without the presence of God and without the blessing of the spirit filled community. Um, So I pray that we'll all carry this charge within us, um, but that we'll know that it's through grace and through the Holy spirit that we get to protect the gospel. Will you all pray with me? Mm -hmm. Dear Heavenly Father, um, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you um, for your church and for a body of believers who care so deeply about you and care deeply about the gospel. Um, Lord I pray that we would have a zeal and that we would feel an urgency when it comes to guarding it and protecting it but I also pray that we would be completely surrendered to you. Um, Lord that we would know our need of you and that we um, would step into the calling to fan the flame of our faith and um, Lord, I just thank you that you don't call us to these things without yourself. I pray that you would um, just preserve the work that you began in the world. I pray that you would continue to spread the gospel that would go forth with power. And um, Lord, that we would be willing and active participants in seeing your kingdom being brought about in this world. pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.